Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Hot Takes. I'd be Lodge Master with me as always is Brother Bishki. Shalom. And, you know, we, we make fun of Brother Lucas a lot for, you know, the reasons he gives to skip out on movies. But tonight he had a good reason. It totally passes all the tests. So we're not going to give him hell, but he is going to watch this movie someday and he is going to get the full experience. That said... We do have a very special first-time guest, and I'm going to kick it to Brother Bishki to introduce her. Uh, her name is ECR. She's a good friend. Sister ECR. She has listened to the Lodgecast before and enjoys it. <laughs> sure do. Who do you agree with the most out of all of us with our bone counts? The bone counts, I, I feel, are off despite how much I agree with someone. But I get that. I think in terms of like my general take and outlook, I agree most with Lucas. Oh, the hothead. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big hothead too. <laughs> Whoa. Well, then tonight's movie is perfect for your debut. Exactly. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. And in, in my conversations with ECR, I know that she has some adventurous taste. And that's why I okay. wanted to bring her on this cast, uh, uh, this particular episode. I'm always down with the sub-sub when somewhere in there a Christian, like the genre movies, as long as they're sub-sub-sub, yes. also Christian. Anything like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt, I also really agree with you a lot of the time because you Ooh, have these great excellent. points. I'm like, oh, okay, you win that one. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm shitting all over Bill and Ted, and you're like, why, why are you coming after Bill and Ted, you asshole? <laughs> no, yeah. the, the other ones, but we'll discuss. Well, that's great. Uh, tonight, it, it, is, it is a faith-based film. The film is titled Beckman. That's B-E-C-K-M-A-N. Beckman. <laughs> a little a little history with with these with these faith-based films. You know, we we did do one earlier in our run called God's Not Dead: A Light in Darkness. Yeah, if you want to check it out, it was it was episode uh number 4 of the Lodge Oh, Cast. that's so early. Yeah. That's so early. <laughs> but now we're back and we're always drawn to these movies. Like there's there's just some sort of weird aura to them because there's a balance issue always with these movies, balancing it between entertainment and the righteous message, whatever that message may be, whatever it's pushing. And yeah. we would always just wistfully wonder, would a movie ever get the balance right? Would it, would it ever get the balance, like the, the preach level low enough and the quality level high enough so that it's indistinguishable from your basic secular entertainment. And we, I don't think we ever thought it would happen. Did Beckman achieve this? We shall find <laughs> out. But <laughs> ECR is shaking her head. What, before we get into Beckman overall, what, what is your history with the faith-based genre and the numerous subgenres that encompass it? Faith-based movies are really attractive in that how are they going to get you? Because they have to be entertaining. And that's yeah. normally the third thing they have to be. So <laughs> right. uh, I'm really interested always in how they get there. It's always a blunt shaped instrument. They never try to finesse yes. you there. 
So it's true. And that's part of the charm. Yeah. It's part of the charm or all of the charm. Exactly. It's like the bad taste. You know, it's it's all in bad taste, but you have to have really good taste to know what's in bad taste. So it kind of fits in that's there right. with me. And it's now very interesting to me because are we allowed to talk about Pure Flix? Oh, we, we're definitely allowed to talk about Pure Flix. Okay. This is a Pure Flix entertainment release. Of course we're going to talk about Pure Flix. <laughs> Pure Flix um, is a pretty interesting concept. It's very smart in a lot yeah, of ways. I agree. But the movies suck, right? Like, no one wants to sit down and watch these movies unless you're like No one except me. for us. Yeah, but... <laughs> Not seriously, not to get, I think it's also, it's a streaming service as far as I understand. It's just a Netflix for pure movies. Oh yeah, yeah. So one of my little uh, projects in the last four years, five years, has been just compiling movies that are like pure flicks, just movies that have no violence, no sex, nothing like that. So I can just have them on for kids. And pure flicks now has, like, what's the point of them if they're going to release a Beckman I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, yeah, let's get into it. What Has, has Pure Flix lost its way? <laughs> Listen, I think Pure Flix is finding its way, but we'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, can, can, I, can I say a few words on David A.R. White? I was just about to say, we need to talk about Pure Flix's human mascot, David A.R. <laughs> motherfucking White. Bishki, yeah. this guy's been on your radar since as long as I've known you. So what do you have to say? He's Yeah, he's been on, I mean, I, we, I've seen the God's Not Dead trilogy. And um, he's 50 years old now, and he's definitely going through a midlife crisis. Like, he's he, he just divorced his wife of 17 years. Oh, no. Yeah, he's got no. three children. Like, he's he's going through some stuff. That's not Christian. I bet he bought a, he bought a convertible. In terms of Christian movie making, he's at the top. He's at the top. He's at the very top. Yeah. Like, he's, he's number one. Pure Flicks plus the God's Not Dead trilogy. Like, there's nobody that even competes with him. And It's true. It's kind of like, where do you go from there once you've reached the top of the Christian movie-making world? And that's where Beckman comes in. Like, this is where... It's the summit. It's the peak. Yeah. Or like, what is he going to do now? You mean besides Beckman Chapter 2? We saw the trailer for this, and it looked like the Christian death wish. And I was like, we're all in. And I had no... (laughs) The movie's not rated, so I had no idea in terms of violence. I was wondering what Beckman was rated. Yeah, it's not rated. I had no clue. So it just dropped on pure flicks without a rating. (laughs) Nothing matters anymore. There's no ratings. It's just all bedlam out there. So Beckman unrated. Because they couldn't afford to like submit it to the MPAA, you think? Maybe, or maybe because it would get a hard R. You know, (laughs) I see. (laughs) And they're trying to hide it. But (laughs) the trailer looked a little like Death Wish. But the movie itself is unabashed, full throated clone of John Wick. Yeah, there is no two bones about it. It is John Wick and a bunch of other things that are, you know, homaged or flat out stolen. Yeah. Yeah. But your framework is John Wick through and through. And David A.R. White is. Beckman in place of John Wick. So that's that's our superhero for this. It's John Wick, but it's also like 
Remember that Seinfeld that goes backwards? It's like that. And then it's like Kill Bill. And yeah. then it's yes. John Wick. It's all of those lot things. A lot of Tarantino in there, which we'll talk about. Yeah. That's the ambition they're reaching for. Whether or not they, they achieve it is up for discussion. <laughs> but that it's that's the template. And it begins with an extreme close-up of David Ayer White's hard-charging eyes. And then right away... We get a little dollop of Burt Young. I didn't know Burt Young was still alive. And yeah. so hearing his voice and seeing his smiling face was so welcome. I'm like, it's it's always like you're split down the middle. You're like, oh, Burt, great to see you. But also, how did you end up here, man? Like, yeah. what, what path, what path led you to Beckman? 90-ish. Yeah, he's up there. But he's looking spry. And just, just hearing Burt Young say... This is the life you chose, Beckman. Like, that's that's almost worth the price of admission. This is the life you chose, Beckman. Like, that's great. <laughs> I, I almost want to give it a bone for that, but I digress. That's our intro. And then it just starts ping-ponging all over the place. I guess that's the Tarantino influence we're talking about. But it seems just haphazard. Like, we're, we're jumping ahead a year, we're going back two weeks, we're like one hour later. I have I had no clue where I was at any point in this movie. For a Christian film, this is like, the editing is bold. I mean, like, like the <laughs> so, first, the so opening bold. credits feature Jeff Fahey. I'm pronouncing that right? Yeah. Okay, so David A.R. White gets shot. He goes yeah. into a church. And Fahey's the preacher. And it's like these slow motion dissolves while he's in this church. And Jeff Fahey is preaching the gospel to him, and he's kind of slowly begging for God's forgiveness, and he gets baptized. And then Jeff Fahey dies in the opening credits. <laughs> they keep cutting to the calendar, showing the passage of time, as if as if that's helping us. Like, you yeah. keep cutting to this calendar, and you see what they're trying to do. They're like, we need to somehow show that time has passed. The oldest trick in the book, you go to a fucking calendar. It's not helping, guys. Time is moving so fast. Omniscient editorial note, the Lodgemaster's phone took a dump while recording this episode, so he had to use the shitty Zoom backup audio from here on out. A sorry. They go to a real calendar, like the kind you buy at Office Depot, and they put it up in front front of the church paper calendar and yeah jeff Fahey dies before the opening credits are done like that i i wrote this down i'm like this is tyler perry level reckless efficiency and the synth score i just have to give a shout out to like i've never heard a score like this in any faith-based film like i was like it's like 2010 modern which is like great yeah which is like cutting edge for these kind of movies ECR, what did you yeah. think of the music? I didn't even notice them. I noticed the bad, like, sound mixing, the, like, really, really high highs, and the, what did you just say, lows? I'm like, what's going on? I couldn't yeah. understand anything. Well, the, the sound design itself is doing at least 60% of the work here. Like, every time the camera moves, every time anything on screen happens, there's an accompanying whoosh or whip pan sound or rumble, like... They jacked it all the way up for this. And I just, I kept seeing David A.R. White in the editing room just going, more, more, like Kylo <laughs> Ren, you know, like, turn it up, because everything hits so loud. We're referencing these movies because they directly stole from them, but it's very drive. 
the movie Drive, like, mm-hmm. you, but it only works in that greatly made movie. So when it's on here, you're like, why are you doing this? Stop. I can't hear. And it's up to you, the viewer, whether or not you take these grasps at obviously superior artworks. If you take that as like cute and like admirable or if it's annoying. You know, like I, for some reason, maybe it was Burt Young, but for some reason, I was on this movie's side pretty early and I was willing to forgive a lot, basically because I was expecting absolutely nothing. So to have any sound design, let alone like ridiculously in your face sound design, I was I welcomed it. I was on that level. Um, You know, everything's broken up into chapters. But yeah, immediately, like we flash forward to one year later and, and <laughs> one year and, later, minus five days, and then you're two hours after that. And you're like, why? <laughs> what, yeah. If the script is that bad, start over. You know, <laughs> what we can gather is that Beckman has taken over the ministry because David A.R. White, he just gets itchy. He needs to be in, in the preaching scene like as soon mm-hmm. as possible in every movie he's in. So he's, you know, preaching at the pulpit and it kind of feels at this point like they're getting all the religious stuff out of the way up front. That's what I was feeling like, because they were packing it yeah. in so thick in the early going. And that's kind of new for this, too. Like, usually it's a steady morphine drip of message, you know, and this movie yeah. skewed all of that. So I'm confused as to what makes it. I mean, the guy's a preacher, but what makes it faith? based because he's a preacher that's it he doesn't really do the right thing throughout the whole thing beckman's never interested in doing the right thing he's conflicted but he always falls on the side of mass murderer so yeah the question (laughs) is what is the message here and all i could really gather from it and we'll get to it later on but just a vague kind of sense of mercy is good mercy is uh is christ-like and usually these movies are chock-a-block full. Like, usually these movies will have full chapters of the Bible that they're trying to get into your head. And this movie is so, takes such a, an arm's length. And I'm telling you, this is the singularity. It's getting closer and closer to not even being a faith-based movie. But you just know that it is. Somehow in your bones, you know that it is. Mm-hmm. So Pure Flicks is just eventually going to be in name only. It, and at this level, like at this rate that they're going at. There's going to be no more boundaries. <laughs> and David A.R. White's going to be leading the charge. But yeah, the plot really kicks into gear when Beckman's daughter, who we don't really understand her to be his daughter, but his daughter shows up and she's in trouble. Her name's Tabitha. And I thought she was probably the best actor in the whole movie, which isn't saying a whole lot, but, you know, she she emoted and did what she had to do. She She's in danger. Mm-hmm. We get that. She's being tailed by a bad guy for all ages, a cult leader named Reese, played by none other than Billy Baldwin. And yes. he gets an entrance, a slow-mo entrance. He's wrapped in a scarf, and he is doing a full-on impersonation of his brother Alec, outdoing Alec, I might say. Yeah. And it is amazing to watch. 
yeah, Billy Baldwin, like, I mean, he's, his voice sounds just like Alec, and he's got a ton of goons with him. And right then, like, I was, it was, the movie was off to the races for me. Like, he gets into the cult, which we'll talk about, but he's like a cult leader. He's a cult leader talking kind of- vaguely about some ritual where Tabitha pledged herself to him. And I'm just, like, nodding. I'm like, yes, yes, your cult leader. <laughs> of course. Beautiful. Let's do this. Yeah. And it's like, I think the wager that David A.R. White was making was because he runs a sex trafficking ring. And I think David A.R. White was like, this is so evil. I can get away with violence and vengeance. And the Pure Flix audience is going to be on board with it. I did not understand any of that until the last 10 minutes, but we'll get to the, that's the like, I didn't know that that was the point of the movie. All of this is very vague. It's whatever you bring to it. And yeah, like, how how did he think he could get away with making a movie where at the core it's a sex trafficking cult? Like that is insane. Yeah. But like, that's Beckman for you. But before we get to the meat and potatoes of this movie, because that was the last 10 minutes. And I was like, what? This is now getting awesome because I didn't hear anything about a sex cult or anything like that until the end. I was zoned out until I saw them there. I was like, what? And I hate to bring up. Under the Silver Lake to you guys. I love that movie. Oh, no, no, we're fans. We're fans. We're, we're friendly, okay, okay. friendly, friendly to the Silver Lake in this crew. thought there was a moratorium. No, but, absolutely not. Uh, no. Can you believe it recalled that? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. So basically, you know Tabitha is getting absconded with, and it's up to Beckman to go track her down. And they rip the whole, like, call center trope from john wick where he's getting these there's a mysterious board of all these of all these bounties that need to be hunted down and there's a british Mm -hmm. woman that he calls like it is straight out of wick but these movies never try to do any sort of weird world building so of course beckman is ripping off an entire world that's already been built but at least it's incorporating something different that's how i looked at it i'm like this is a ripoff but I like the, that you're at least flexing your creativity a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't know how violent it was going to get until Beckman just starts. I mean, he's got like an AR-15, which is perfect for David A.R. White, and he just starts taking people out, like bloody. He gets his first lead about where his daughter is, and he goes into like this, you know, flop house, and I'm like, is he really about, is David A.R. White really about to kill these dudes? And the answer is hell yes. He mows them all down. Bloody, bullet riddled, everything. Like, this is a hard R-rated movie. If you look at the walls, too, it is digital bullet holes. It's digital muzzle flash. Everything's fake. But the intention and the story is that Beckman kills about 500 people in this movie. (laughs) And doesn't even stop to think about it until the very end, which is hilarious. Also, Beckman and this cult leader, Reese, Billy Baldwin, they talk on the phone sometimes. And their conversations are so unintentionally, hilariously overheated. Like, the sexual tension between them is palpable on these phone calls. And I just wish <laughs> I wish there was more face-to-face time with these two. Because they're both just chewing the scenery in splendid ways Beckman's doing like a kind of a Clint Eastwood like because I know David A.R. White's normal voice from the God's Not Dead movies 
and he's doing he's doing this raspy low voice like he's trying to expand his range and he's always like in Clint Eastwood mode. It's like John Wick too, like John like mm-hmm. you know Keanu Keanu's just grunting grunting his way through that movie. So yeah, he's an amalgamation of all those guys that he really strives to <laughs> be part of the brotherhood of. So Beckman, I mean, this movie is chock-a-block full of action set pieces as well, if, you, if you're generous enough to call them that. I mean, there's a hilarious battle in the woods with this female goon, who I thought did a great job. But the, the, the stunt work is like, it's like almost there. I don't know. What did you guys think of the hand-to-hand combat in this? I mean, I thought the fight choreography was like pretty professional. I don't know if it was shot in the best way because it's all in this like ridiculous, like almost like fisheye lens, like, you know, in terms of the way they shot it. But you can tell he was using professional fight choreography, like probably some guy that's worked in the vicinity of John Wick. ECR, do you care about fights in movies or do you just kind of look through them? Well, I got to tell you that it definitely brought me back to being like, I mean, I mean this in the most regressive 90s sexist way, but I definitely felt like a girl through them, like just cross-eyed, like I don't care. I'll tell you guys, I love Old Boy. I love uh, Kill Bill. I love The Raid. I love Drive. I love Falling Down. When it's awesome Mm. and it's done great, you're like, what? And it's part of the story. But when it's just like for the sake of it and they can do it, yeah, you, you know, it's money. Yeah. <laughs> How much money do you pour into it? Okay. <laughs> it's it's hard to argue with any of that. But that said, this battle in the woods with the female goon, I think her name is Janice. Oh, the, the yes, poor Janice, woman's yeah. like Marsha Gay Harden. Yes. <laughs> Beckman gets knocked out as a result of this woods confrontation. And this movie becomes a horror movie for a good five minutes, like a hard five minutes. Beckman gets knocked out chained up in a basement with some other random captives. And this Janice comes down with a giant knife and says she's going to hurt Beckman. I'm like, yeah, right. You're not going to hurt Beckman. She proceeds to just slash violently at his face, giving him these giant gashes that are on his Mm -hmm. face for the rest of the movie. (laughs) And he kicks Janice across the basement you think she's knocked out, but then she springs back to life again, just like Jason Voorhees, before being stabbed in the back by one of the other captives. She doesn't die when she gets stabbed in the back. She runs up the stairs with a knife in her back. And I was like, what is going on? And then she bleeds out upstairs. Like, what? what has happened? Like, who? <laughs> and then the movie goes back to normal Beckman action mode. But we spend this brief, horrific moment in the basement. I love that shit. So Beckman's got a couple former associates that show up. Also, just like John Wick, he's got some other some other bounty hunters out and about because a bounty's been put on Beckman. And I loved I loved just watching them do these fights all around a standard one bedroom Hollywood apartment with you know fake bullet holes going in on the walls. Yeah, there's one oh. li- there's one line in that scene because there's a couple bounty hunters. It's a, it's a male and female bounty hunter. And they say to each other, love you, Papa Bear. Love you, Mama Bear. It's right out of Pulp Fiction. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Very Tarantino-esque. Very dated, too. <laughs> very dated. And they can't sell the lines because they're clearly stunt people that are also acting. So it's like, 
you can't even give them those lines. They they can't even spring for the good wigs. You know, they have to like use them. (laughs) Yeah, come on. (laughs) Exactly. So then, then there's a dude called the administrator who chases Beckman around. And that's when they end up at this brewery yeah. out of nowhere. And the administrator, he he gets Beckman. He has him trapped. He has him dead to rights. He could kill him. And that's the point when the administrator shows him mercy. And you get that little mercy. glimmer of a lesson in there. Just a little bit. He doesn't mention anything religious, like, directly. But... Mm-hmm. It's just the basic message of mercy because Beckman explains to him that he wants to go break up this sex cult. And the administrator deems that, you know, a worthy cause. But if I see you out here again, Beckman, I'm going to kill you. So the administrator lets him go. And then out of nowhere, we're thrown into another action scene that Beckman just kind of happens through. There's these burly dudes torturing this guy. And Beckman's just like, I don't know what this is. I'm just passing through. And they're like, well, no, now we got to kill you. He kills all these guys. And one of them ends up with a power drill through the eyeball. Yeah. That was out of Pulp Fiction. That was out of Pulp Fiction too. They're just torturing this kid. I totally, I zoned out for so long that all these horrible things, I just kind of like took it in without processing how incredibly violent it was you left your body you left your body for a little while and sometimes you got to do that it's fine what did you guys think of this late addition to the characters her name is kara and she's a hacker complete Mm -hmm. with girl with the dragon tattoo ripoff she has piercings and no eyebrows and (laughs) what she just comes out of nowhere he runs into her and she's able to hack a bunch of stuff for him like, <laughs> he's just going from checkpoint to checkpoint. Like it's, it's all leading up to the ritual that Billy Baldwin is 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 gonna show to us. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm looking at the runtime. There's 20 minutes left, and I'm like, you better be getting us to this fucking ritual. Like time is ticking here. Mm-hmm. And you know, Beckman's got a couple more leads to follow, a couple more people to kill, and then with 13 minutes left. Beckman is driving through the night to get to the ranch where the ritual is being held. And I said to myself out loud, I said, fuck yeah, get him Beckman. I was, I was so, I was so on board at this point because I knew he was headed to the ritual. I knew Billy Baldwin would be there. And, you know, as far as Beckman knows, his daughter's dead and she's been dead for a while and there's no hope there. He's just looking for vengeance, but astute viewers will suspect that maybe she isn't so dead. No, no, no. I mean, I knew that she was not dead all along, obviously. I mean, <laughs> but what I was in tune for was what is this ritual going to look like? And that's where we get, in my opinion, the primary salad dragon of the film. Oh, yeah. Bishki, explain to us, when you arrived at this ritual, what did you see? Yeah, we're at a cult in the desert. Everyone is surrounding or is 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 looking up to um, Billy Baldwin, who's in tribal makeup, and he is has a, two pillars of CG, CG fire on each side around. of him. It's like a slash of red war paint across his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> and there's two digitally flaming teepees flanking either side of him, and it is it is a yeah. sight to behold. It is it yeah. is pure magic. 
and he's getting ready for a human sacrifice. Yeah, was it that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just you know whatever the church thinks that a cult is. That's what he was doing. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So this was presumably filmed in 2018, 2019, but it has all these QAnon, Epstein Island, Save Our Children kind of commentary. Weirdly, accidentally, mm-hmm. or not. Or not. You never know with Q. Beckman is obviously part of the big QAnon universe. I'm sure David A.R. White has been down some message boards of QAnon, and yeah. So at this ritual, there's a bunch of linen-clad followers. They're chanting, and out of the darkness emerges our hero, Beckman. And Reese Baldwin kneels before Beckman and accepts his fate. He's ready to die, but Beckman... He's learned that that rule of mercy, and he refuses to pull the trigger, insisting that judgment will come for him soon enough. Then Baldwin unleashes one of the grandest scenery-chewing monologues this podcast has ever seen. <laughs> like the bi- the big reveal, obviously, in this scene is that Tabitha is in fact still alive, and Beckman thought she was dead the whole time. But yeah. Billy just goes on this Alec-esque diatribe that I we can't even do it justice. I'm just going to play it in full for you right now. So enjoy this. Please do. Please do. You run away, preacher. You liar. You fraud. You failure. You two deserve each other. The both of you. You're weak. Undisciplined. I have no more use for you or her. You take her. You hear me? Take her. That's right. You take her and go. She's being punished down in the barrels. She might even still be alive. I hope she is! Because you two deserve each other. I want you two to live your lives out together. Your small, boring, pointless lives. Never growing, changing, never expanding your minds. Just living day by pathetic day. Working, praying, mediocre, infinite, obedient to your corporate masters. (laughs) When he says she's being punished down in the barrels. She's being punished down in the barrels. That is one of the most intriguing and perplexing lines ever written by man or beast. And he sells the (laughs) shit out of it. What did you guys think that meant? She's being punished down in the barrels. I thought he was going underground to some new dungeon or something. But then he goes and he finds her in a barrel. There's just a bunch of barrels. I thought it was going to be like a like a figure of speech that I didn't know, like barracks. As an ESL person, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I accept that. I paused the movie because I was like, is he saying barrows, like wheelbarrows? And is the barrows like a ranch term that I'm not hip to? Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeding the horses down in the barrows. No, it's literal fucking barrels. Barrels. And one of the barrels has a lock on it. Beckman busts open the lock, and Tabitha's inside, lo and behold, and she's looking pretty clean for having just been living in a barrel. Like, she's looking fresh as a daisy. Why is she in the barrel? They can't build a little dungeon? And then Billy Baldwin just lets them leave. Like, he pulls her out of the barrel, and they just drive away. It's taillights. And I thought that was the end of the movie, and I was like, that's interesting. And then someone comes to shoot Billy Baldwin, and then he's pleading for his life. Billy so, Baldwin which, gets gets shot by a shadowy figure repeatedly. It's the administrator. Yeah, it's the guy from before. And it kind of leaves open space for Beckman, too. Uh, 
there's no kind of about it. Like they, yeah. David Ayer White is his whole body thirsts for a Beckman franchise. Every mm-hmm. pore of his being wants there to be Beckman chapters as far as the eye can see, as far as the DVD shelf can hold. That's what he wants. So I don't know. I think he's going to get it. <laughs> I think he's going to get his Beckman too. Yeah. He's financing them. Yeah. So what's stopping him? He is the be all end all of Beckman. <laughs> so yeah, we get credits and we get some more semi modern dubstep droney breakbeat music, <laughs> which I hope, I hope they release this soundtrack on vinyl. Like I will get yeah. that for you for your birthday, Bishki. <laughs> No, I'm gonna I'm gonna be seeking out the soundtrack for sure. That's the that's the nuts and bolts of Beckman. I can't wait to find out what our Beckman bones are gonna be. So let's go to them motherfucking Beckman bones. I can be in my bones. We're gonna start off with Brother Bishki. I feel like he's gonna blast a little more love and light at this than ECR is, but we'll see. That's my that's yeah, my prediction. Yeah. I mean, I've been following David Ayer White long time. There's a good documentary <laughs> called Pure Fliction Chill, the David Ayer White story on on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, you can kidding. learn even more. It's only 30 minutes long. You can learn even more about David Ayer White. But um yeah, this is one of the greatest Christian films ever made, but it's hard to say <laughs> As ECR has said, it's hard to call it a Christian film. Like it's like the Christian version of Pulp Fiction. So what does that even mean? Or like, you know, the Christian version of John Wick. Like, what is that? Is that a Christian film anymore? And so I was going over reviews on IMDb, and it's very mixed. Like, there's some viewers. That are like, you gotta think for yourself, Bisky. Speak from the heart. No, I know. There's some viewers that are like, I'm canceling my Pure Flix subscription, and there's some people that are like. This was odd. This was the best thing that Pure Flix has ever released. So I think that this movie has gorgeous cinematography, bold editing, top-notch fight choreography, high-quality kills and violence, and the synth score needs to be on vinyl, as the Lodgemaster said. And it separates itself from every revenge film because at the end, we get the message of mercy, which is not what you usually get and solid cast David Ayer 15 white shows his acting versatility I had lots of laughs and every kill was a laugh for me because I was like this is just amazing for a pure flicks film beyond everything is just beyond two and a half bones and I will continue (gasps) to follow the complicated saga of David Ayer white this is going to go on and I will be following it probably two years from now we'll, we'll find out what more he's got cooked up his sleeve, but but I love it. Uh, two and a half Beckman bones. I love it. Two and a half Beckman bones, higher than any God's Not Dead movie. All right, oh. Sister ECR, bring us back down to earth, please. Dear Lord Bishki, I can't believe it. I mean, I guess I can't believe it because despite you being my in here, I tend to disagree with you the most. <laughs> Weirdly. No, I know. Sorry. Um, That's okay. That's okay. I I, I welcome it. Now, I got to say that every good action movie is a redemption story. Like, I can't think of one that, I mean, I guess Quentin Tarantino is the exception. But to me, all the good ones, all the good Korean movies, they're always redemption 
So where does the Christianity fall? I mean, uh, would I recommend this movie? Probably not. Would I recommend it to a Christian? No. Would I recommend it? Period. No. Um, is is it worth the <laughs> is it worth the last ten minutes? Hell yes. There we go. There's mm-hmm. the love of life. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> One and a half bones. One and a half. That is stern nice. but fair. It is stern but fair. My bone counts were all over the place on this. I was up, I was down, I was in, I was out. But mostly, I was just enjoying myself. And in this day and age, in these uncertain times, and especially unexpectedly, like it came to me with Beckman, like, I was kind of dreading this, to be quite honest. I'm like, what? what is this even going to be? And mm-hmm. it swept me up in its arms, and it showed me things I never thought I would see. And I thank it for that. And I don't think I can go two and a half. I think that's too far. I feel like one and a half is correct. I think that's the correct response. But my enjoyment of this and my what the fuckitude of this bumps it up to two. I'm going to thread the needle once again and give yes. it two right down the middle. And I would recommend this to pretty much everybody I know. I think it is a monumental piece of faith-based entertainment that is striving to hit the mainstream like I've never seen it do before. And holy shit, it's a little scary, but it's a whole lot of fun to watch. <laughs> so two bones for me. I'm glad that like homeschooled kids are going to be like watching this like crazy. Like, <laughs> I hope it inspires them to make better movies. If parents think they're totally safe and they only have pure flicks and everything else is blocked off and all the internet's off except for pure flicks and kids run across this movie... Maybe that is worth the extra half bone you just gave. But you know what? Um, yeah. No, the best. I'm countering Bishki because the best Christian movie of all time also is a Dave, uh, a, the AR, the Christ White. He, have you seen The Visitation with Ooh. Edward Furlong? Ooh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Ooh. Stop the presses. A horror. It's a horror movie. We're going to track that down. Sister ECR, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry we didn't give you the full experience with Lucas uh, missing out, but we will have you back and we will rope Lucas in come hell or high water and you will get the full stereo surround experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, This is so exciting. I was looking forward to this. This is the best. I love this podcast. I'm already so excited to tell everyone. Nice. (laughs) ECR, do you want to plug your podcast? Well, it's uh, super not relevant, like to any of this. Um, but I have a Bachelor, um, the show podcast. But our angle is we go in through media studies and related to culture in general, the zeitgeist of culture. There's a huge overlap of Bachelor viewers and Lodgecast listeners. I'm sure of it. So I think I <laughs> yes. think that's the perfect synergy. <laughs> sure, sure. Bachelor Masters, because you get your Masters in Bachelor. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Thanks again for coming on. And we can't wait to see what we uh, dig up next time to bring you back for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you, ECR. Thank you, guys. Love and light, y'all. Oh!